Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Sotala, and I'm one of the co-hosts for Renar Voice. And with me is my co-host and my friend and my colleague, Jeff Mazzone. How are you, Jeff? Hey, Robert. Good morning, bro. How's it going? Good morning. Good to see you. So we have to we have to give an update because uh, <clears throat> we left a little in our last episode, a little bit of a cliffhanger. So there congratulations you to you. We both did it. We both made it. But special congratulations to you. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks to you. Are you you officially finally finished? So yes. way to go, way to yes. go. Yeah. And for our listeners, uh, graduation uh, two weeks ago was the first time Robert and I met in person, and That's uh, it was a pretty good forty eight hours. Yeah, it was. We had a lot of time, a lot of time together. Just to do, you know, the greatest thing I think was that sharing of that experience together. We got mm-hmm. to do it in a in a very kind of close, intimate way. Um, and that was cool. That was a, a neat experience. And, and you're taller than I expected. So um, yes. it surprised me with that. Yeah. Yes. And you are far more wider in the shoulders than I expected. So. I'm glad you said shoulders there. Yeah, well, not I, the <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> He's, you mentioned you played football. And I was like, yep. Yeah, he, he could probably still play football. A sport yeah, that I could not play. So the sad thing is my 17-year-old shoulders are probably wider <laughs> one and a half times. So that's, that's a scary thought. Wow. Yeah. No, it was a great thing. And, you know, as I, as I came back from that experience and was, and really had a time to reflect, one of the things that, that I think really kind of hit me was the fact that, that I think that graduation probably was different maybe for me or you than, than maybe others. And, mm-hmm. and I think the reason is, is because we've gotten to do a lot of cool things and, and different experiences, i.e. this podcast, which which doesn't happen frequently, I don't think, in, a, right. in an online graduate program. And so I think the thing that really, really kind of hit me and just want to just share this is uh, a special thank you to all the individuals. And there's a lot that really invested into both of us um, and, and pursued us and, and helped us kind of just have this experience. And, and I think that was something that I was extremely grateful for. So a special shout out to all those, you know who you are, uh, too many to name here, but, it, it, and it kind of leads me into the guest for today is because I think one of the things that is really special about this podcast and, and actually getting to know each other is our stories. And a while ago, you came up with this idea, Jeff, of having guests on to just share their story. And I think that our stories, our testimonies are powerful. And that's been experienced in our own episodes that we've done with each other. So um, I think overall, it was just a very grateful experience, this mm-hmm. whole whole thing for me. And I think you share the same thoughts and just sure. the amount of people that we've gotten to meet and the stories that we've been able to sit with is, a, is an amazing experience. And I'm truly grateful. And, and you're part of that. So thank you, Jeff. Mm. Yeah, no, that's all well said. And, and yeah, particularly uh, bringing on uh, Anna today, or I think we're, we're going to go with Anna. <laughs> uh, she's, she's a part of our CSI chapter and just someone that we've gotten to interact with quite a bit. And uh, really, this whole episode is an excuse to spend quality time with her, yeah, uh, as, as this whole podcast is really just an excuse yeah, to yeah. spend time. Just a big old cover up. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the fact that we, we each have stories and we don't often get opportunities to share them. Um, and with the hope that telling the story, especially with folks that might come from a, a real unique uh, background, uh, what we can learn from that as clinicians, hearing the stories of clients. And we wanted to feature kind of someone within our own group 
someone who's you know has a master's in counseling is a counselor is pursuing a phd is in leadership is within our liberty family uh mm-hmm. and so you know we turned to anna today and so we're really happy to have her and folks just her story is crazy yeah get ready <laughs> so it's, just... it's i remember hearing it for the first time and i think my jaw hit the floor i was just in awe of that story so i'm excited <laughs> i'm excited today yeah, this this is what happens when a world class surfer uh, becomes a counselor. We'll yes, just you know there leave you it go. a little teaser there you go. right there. That, that's okay. that's a good way to lead into it. So go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. You don't so mind. so Anna Anna Barrand is a national certified counselor who serves as a counselor at a nonprofit setting in Massachusetts. She also serves as the secretary for our chapter, Roeda New Alpha Row Raynar, and is also a reviewer for a peer reviewed journal. Anna is also EMDR and logotherapy trained and is a member of ACA, ACES, AMDC, Acervic, and AACC. She is now pursuing her doctoral degree in counselor education and supervision at Liberty. Prior to working as a counselor, Anna was a sports chaplain serving the World Surf League. Uh, So, Anna, good morning. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you for coming aboard. Good morning. So great to spend time with you both. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. Good morning, Anna. It it is great to have you, and I'm excited. So so if you could, just take us back, kind of like to the to the beginning, because you know you you were born in America. Mm-hmm. You know you you have a nationality that's a, that's probably unique and different. So you, can you kind of just share maybe from the beginning and and then kind of your journey through maybe what brought you to the United States probably through that sports world and just kind of get us get us a little bit of background and history to frame the conversation if you could. Sure. So yes, I grew up and was raised in I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I was raised there. And um, I actually played tennis. That was my thing. Since my mother played, t- played tennis, so I started playing tennis when I was five. And, um, but and then when I turned like a tween, 12, 13, all my friends were going to the beach. And I was like 100 degrees, clay courts and sweating. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I quit. And, and it was a disappointing. It was disappointing for my, my parents. Um, but I did it, thankfully, because, but and then I couldn't lie down on the beach in Rio and just be lying down there and putting, back then people put oil. And I was like, what is this? So I would use my friend's bodyboard to get in the water and keep moving. I think I was addicted to the, to the endorphins of moving and I couldn't just lie on the beach. <laughs> and, and I asked then one day, my father, can you please give me a bodyboard? He's like, no, you know, I'm not going to be a beach girl. And I was like, <laughs> And, but my brother, my older brother, actually, my, it's complicated, very blended family, very, so my wife's son, the, you know, my stepbrother had a surfboard, so I started using him, his board, and that's how I started surfing, and I loved it, so all the time and effort that I used to spend playing tennis, I was just using his board and being in the water. So my second board was already a sponsor that gave it me because I became really good fast because that's how I did. If you do something a lot, you become good at it, right? So, um, and then I started progressing, competing, progressing. And um, my father passed away before I 
uh, him seeing that actually was something I loved to do and I succeeded at and became my livelihood and all that. Um, so that was, you know, but I'm sure he sees, he saw. <laughs> and, um, but I, so I, I went to the university, my professors were in Brazil, I was doing graphic design. My professors were very, very, very open for me to travel and keep competing in Brazil, right? The Brazilian tour. But and then I got to a point that my sponsors were, you need to do the world tour. And I was like, well, how am I going to do my education and do that? That would be hard. So I quit. I quit the university. And I, my, at the time, my mom was like, oh, great. No tuition to pay, you know? <laughs> But anyway, and that's I did the world tour, and that's how I uh, met my husband um, when I was competing in Hawaii. He was actually the one who gave me my a Bible in Portuguese. I don't know if you want to get into that story, but anyway, so and that's what brought me to the United States because I literally I met him, kept competing for a few more years. We we're just friends. My husband and I we were from friends to engage. Is a crazy story, but anyway, and. Um, and then when I I quit professional surfing, went to college, and got married five days after graduating here in California. That's okay. So, Anna, <laughs> you're 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 laying on the humility real thick because before we put the record button on, you told us like just where you were in the world as a surfer. So I, I can't let that go by. Come on. <laughs> Um, well, you see, when, when my sponsor said, okay, Anna, you've been Brazilian champion twice, that's it. You need to just go for the next. Because at the time in Brazil, there were no, no women surfers had ever done the pro tour. There were two guys in a man's level doing it. Um, so it was kind of like a groundbreaking thing. So yes. So yes. And I, and, and I, I, you know, but it was really amazing, Jeff. And that's why. So my story is like this okay my heart was like okay when i become state champion i'll be so happy and then i tried to put all my effort like really eating surfing sleep surfing train surfing you know you need to really you know i would wake up and get my p0 boom you know and and train a lot and all that so and then i became state champion a bunch of times it, and then I'm like, okay, I need to be a national champion. Like it just never, it's like grasping the wind, you know? <laughs> and I think because I know that, I, 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 it, it, it's just hard. And I know it even at the top level, you know, like the best surfer in the world, Kelly Slater, he's been ch world champion 11 times, 11 times world champion. He's like the most decorated athlete ever. They keep saying, who's the GOAT? Tom Brady or Kelly Slater, and they tell each other, Tom Brady says Kelly is, and Kelly Slater says Tom Brady is, you know, they, but, but really, like, it doesn't satisfy, though, yeah, it's just, we know what satisfies, I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. <laughs> yeah, Anna, and I want to go with that, because we were chatting a little bit before we hit record, and, and, you know, to me, and I think a lot of listeners, just this concept of being on a international surfing tour as a professional surfer, traveling all these exotic, amazing locations and competing in something on a professional level. To me, that sounds like, wow, that's, that's a dream. But you shared when you were in that process, what that feeling was like sitting on that surfboard as you were competing. Can you just share 
with our audience, kind of a little bit of what we were talking about before and just kind of that that difference of what I saw or what I think it would be like versus you sitting in that and being in that person, what that was like. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, of course, when you first when you first do the tour, it's like, wow, everything is new and, and it's beautiful. But and then you realize you go to a place, imagine I leave Brazil, go to Australia or South Africa. It's just, a, you know, and, and it's, uh, it, you leave out a suitcase and you go and there's like 25 minutes that you get in the water. And despite all your training that you've done for all your year, you are dependent upon what's given to you in a setting that you can't control. Like when you compete, when I competed in tennis, the court didn't move, the net didn't go up or down. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a little bit more, you know, but there I'm sitting there, there's three minutes to go. I need a four, which is a less than average wave. And if the wave doesn't come, the wave doesn't come. You can't manufacture, you cannot manufacture. So, so, so that's a very hard, almost like vulnerable place to be. And then when you get out of the water and you lose all the photographers and all the people of the autographs, like go to the, your opponent and you kind of walk up by yourself, you know, and then if it's the other way around, they come to you and you feel like, mm, you know, it's like a false sense of, oh, this is so nice. Of course it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Are we, we were, wow, this is nice. I've made it. Of course, you as an athlete, you compete to do well. But um, it, it's so hard, especially before I really got to know Christ. It's so hard. It, my sense of worth became so entwined with that. And it's... Um, it's it's not a comfortable place to be because it's really <laughs> shaky, right? <laughs> or fluid, I guess, if you want to talk about waves. <laughs> it's very it's all, and um, and that's. But once I become a believer, once I really got to know Christ, and Christ got to took my attention, and I felt like I even to this day I need to renew my mind where my worth really comes from. You know, being is is. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Sometimes I get still caught up, grades or whatever, you know, even we all do, I think. I think. But anyway, um, even and so after when I, so that I feel like almost like before Christ of after, like I, I was doing it more of a heart, God, we've surrendered, like I want to give you the glory for this. And, you know, I should, when people ask my autograph, I would write like Jesus loves you, you know, stuff like that. After my name, because <laughs> I'm like you're the one. My name, you know, like if things like that. But um, yeah. So he took the desire out of to compete. I felt because I was just too. What for you to be an athlete, you need to be aggressive in certain ways, especially surfing. You should like paddle hard and have that grit. I lost that after a couple of years. So yeah. you know, and I'm just thinking like. Like a quarterback is MVP of the Super Bowl, and then he's writing out autographs, and he's just writing like John three sixteen <laughs> for everybody. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> so it's so encouraging to hear that, like these world class athletes that that they're there, they're practicing their faith. At, at least they're trying to, mm -hmm. um, and that especially a sport like that where you're just surrounded. 
I think, in a real particular way by the beauty of God's creation, but also the immense power of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's mm-hmm. that's fascinating. Yeah, it, it is, and, and and it's beautiful because I I feel you know that you know, at the beginning Genesis like the presence of God over hovered over the waters. Always when I'm surfing, I kind of think of that. Like oh, I know that He's everywhere, but it's just something. I don't, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And Which makes it, it makes it easy and hard to also let go, even when I was a chaplain, and I say, you know, you couldn't control the, the environment. And then, well, but you say God control, right? Why didn't he send me the wave? So that can also be a little tricky. And I was like, well, he doesn't care about results, really, you know? He cares about your heart. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, and that, that really sets it up for like the next part of the conversation because even just a few minutes ago, you were talking about things like worth, mm-hmm. uh, value, and and uh, how a pursuit like this could be so fleeting. Yeah. Um, and then and then surrender and control, especially as a surfer, either uh, as opposed to like the tennis court, you can kind of control it, right? But the waves, you just you got to ride it. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anna, we'd love to just kind of get into the part of your story where you recognize that, I mean, ultimately, whatever it was that led you into a counselor's office uh, to kind of begin your own journey, what it was that you were noticing, what it was that you wanted to be healed from or delivered from, and and yeah, what was going on that brought you there and that initial experience? Yeah, that's, I I thought about that because I knew you were going to ask that question. So I kind of had that brainstormed in my head. Um, so it was interesting because when my parents got my first, very, very, very first experience with counseling was just very bizarre, bizarre because it was when my parents got divorced, I was six. And I just remember just being quiet and terrified and she was showing us like tests and my brother making fun of them. And <laughs> so it was just, but so that was that. And I, and I never thought that I would ever go to counseling again. Um, and then when I started, I, I homeschooled my children, right? And when they were around getting ready to get into high school, I started praying like, God, what should I do? I homeschooled the kids and I had, we had a surf shop here in town and that was our business and all that. But I realized that I didn't want, that was not my passion. And even before I was asked to be a chaplain, I was like, what should I, what would you like me to do, Lord, um, post-raising kids' life, you know? My children now are 22, I have twins. And um, and I really felt strongly um, to get a counseling degree. So as I was studying counseling, and as I was understanding the importance of family of origin, attachment, I realized I must have issues. Because my first memory, literally one of my first memories, I was in kindergarten and my nanny was fired. In Brazil, a lot of people use hired help. And I literally got a little plastic bag, put some clothes, completely normal, looked at my mom, bye. And she's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going with Toto. She's leaving and I'm going with her. <laughs> so that was, and I was, you know, so I was like, okay. Well, Toto thankfully stayed. So uh, after that, <laughs> so, 
So I was just like, you know, I think I need to deal with some deeper issues here. And, and it was going to Liberty that showed me, and you know how they, they say every therapist should have go to counseling. And I was like, well, I can see why, you know, I don't wanna deal with counter transfers here with, you know. So anyway, so I started and it was a beautiful story because I want I didn't wanna just get a counselor. I was, I prayed a lot and I was like, who should I see? And I don't know if you want me to tell the story of how I found my counselor, yeah? Okay. So I was actually doing an integration course and I read uh, McMean's book and I loved it. So I corresponded with him back and forth a little bit, sent him a, sent him a paper of mine and he was very kind and we were talking and he said, well, I actually have a, a student who now is um, practicing in Rhode Island and you guys should be friends. And I was like, oh, we're not gonna be friends. I mean, she's going to be my counselor. <laughs> she's going to be my counselor. So I said, what's her name and her contact? And then I got in touch with her and that's who I see every other week. And I deal and she, you know, and we go through that, the whole sense of um, who I really am and not just here, but here, like I pointed to my head first, not in, rationally, but how do I really feel? Because I still, those, those things of, you know, um, those feelings of inferiority and being less than comes up. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great. That's a great, you know, just example to, to be seeking that counseling while you're in this stage of life. I think that's a, a very wise thing to do. And there's a lot there to probably unpack and process. Um, I want to go back. I'm a little curious, you know, to your role as the chaplain on the, the surf team, how, how much influence did that have on your decision to entering in the counseling world? And, and I guess also like, how did you get into that role? You know, of becoming a, a chaplain there. Yeah, my, my bachelor's degree was biblical studies. So, and a lot of people in the surfing world was like, what? Um, does she want to be a nun? You know? <laughs> the, the surfing nun, that, that could have probably got some YouTube views right there. Like a big 10 footer or something. And Okay, wait a second. I know a nun who was an Olympic speed skater in the japan winter olympics and she okay. got sixth place okay so wow. just, just throwing that out there all right and all also right. i i have dear friends here whose son um is oh my goodness jeff you're gonna have to correct me um um anyway he surfs all the time but he comes with the uh, i believe he's a franciscan no yeah franciscan anyway beautiful and he surfs and he's he has a nice beautiful long beard and it's, yeah. it's phenomenal he actually he um he gave me my first kombuka scoby whoa okay <laughs> that sounds I like one of the I am a potter and i actually he asked me to make excuse me guys this is still he asked me to make something to for for his candle and he drew and and i made that with such i don't know i was very thankful that he asked me to do that for him for his devotion anyway um so why are we getting to that oh what was the question again robert forgive me no you're right i i could see how we got distracted on that one uh that one <laughs> the, the, the effect of of being a chaplain 
yep, yes. on your decision to be a counselor. And really, I was even curious to how you even got into that role, because you mentioned earlier, you know, not being saved as a child and, and, and kind of getting your first Bible from your from your future husband. I didn't know how all that played into becoming or stepping into that role and how that role had an effect on your decision ultimately to become a counselor. OK, so, well, again, before I was a chaplain, I was already going to Liberty to because I, f I felt, you know, I, when I was praying and I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do post raising kids? I felt like, okay, I'm going to explore that. So I did. And then I got to the fork on the road. They go towards licensure or not. While, and then I, I actually got the human services degree at first because I said, I cannot do a practicum internship, be a chaplain, homeschool. I can't because it, so how did that happen? They asked me, I didn't go after. I got an email one day and said, you know, the women, the woman chaplain now is resigning and we're looking for a new one. Would you like to be considered? And I, I remember exactly the moment I told my husband, like, no, I don't like the tour. I don't like traveling. I'm not going to. And he's like, I think that is for you. And I was like, so I answered and I said, if you think, yeah, I can be considered. And at the end, but there was a lot of women that applied for the job. And I was just the entire time. I was just, Lord, if you want me to do that, I will. But I'm not crazy about it, especially as a mother and having to leave all the time. Uh, I had to leave two weeks at a time for maybe five, six times a year. So we would add up. And my children was 14 at the time and, you know, teenage years. And it was, it was, for me, it was a sacrifice, but my husband was the biggest supporter and he held the fort here when I left. And um, yeah, at the end, the last interview, the, the guy from Australia came here and stayed with me at my house to interview. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty intense job interview. <laughs> he wants to see how I lived and, and all that. And I remember when he said, you're the one. And then my husband was like, I knew it the moment you asked her. And I was like, okay, I guess I was the only one who didn't know. Mm, that's great. Anna, one thing we were wondering is just and following the timeline there because it sounds like you began seeing a counselor when you were already in your training yes to become a counselor oh yeah i okay. i yes i i started seeing a counselor when was it exactly that i started seeing dr valerie it was i knew i had to but i didn't want to just get any counselor so i was waiting and then when Dr. when Mark McMahon gave me that recommendation to to have a friend I I just waited and was like okay when I'm ready to start so I think if right when I stopped traveling with the chaplaincy that's when I got which was at the end of 2016 maybe a little after I mailed her and we started working together it was before I started my doctorate degree okay what yeah. was going on for you Mm. within training because uh, it seems like it was born out of that what what made you realize I need to see a counselor I think those feelings of um, first of all the more I read about attachment and it was so interesting and she resolved that with me like she's genius I was like you know 
I did not, I don't not have many memories growing up. I know I didn't have really trauma, but I, I think it was mostly like emotionally neglect. And, um, and I was just like, I need, I, find, I should go deeper and see what's going on, you know, in terms of um, my sense that I feel sometimes to be less than and being inferior. So that, 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 that I feel like I want to go deep with her. And it was interesting because I was telling her, she's like, well, you attached your nanny. And I was like, but she was paid. And she was like, oh, that's interesting that you get chose a profession that you, that you were paid to uh, take care of people. And I was like, oh, because I have the hardest time in the world charging. So that's something we, we, we still work. Anna, she's so kind and has a nice voice. Tell me I work a job that people don't need to be paid. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Did I answer your question? No, yeah, you did. And I guess just like pulling it back just a little bit if we can, like, because it seems like you married and you were having children and you were already in a profession. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, as you got into counseling uh, with someone that seems rather insightful, uh, what was it like for you kind of looking back at your life and maybe seeing where some of those inferiority feelings or uh, whatever you would have picked up in, in response to this emotional neglect that you mentioned, like in what ways did you kind of look back at your marriage or even having children and be like, Ooh, Ooh, I see now that dynamic born out of this unresolved thing. Uh, I see now how that dynamic might've been in play and how that could have been impactful in my marriage or with my children. And then, and then also the process of trying to like rebuild. Yeah. Well, I need to say my husband is such an amazing, um, I'm just so thankful because he's just so patient and so loving and so such a servant to the family. And that was something that really helped me to, because he almost like he sees my worth, you know, and then there's almost like a, a, it's like, wow. You have a sense, a felt experience. Well, that's how God sees me. Wow, how beautiful that is, you know? So that was really special. And with the children, I feel I did a lot, I made a lot of mistakes, almost like, you know, the other side of the pendulum. Um, I was very guilty to get babysitters because I'm like, no, I'm not going to be like my mom type thing, you know? Um, I So I never did, which maybe then... Uh, affected the marriage a little bit, even though we, we are going to celebrate 26 years, which I'm super thankful. Yeah, he's, a, he's an amazing man, Chuck is. I would love for one day you will both meet him. But anyway, um, so raising the kids, I felt like I was a little bit too on top of them because I wanted to not repeat what my mom did. Sorry, mom, if you ever hear that. But anyway, uh, I know you did your best. <laughs> but um, so that was something that I think affected me. But also that's some, even with the chaplaincy, I think it was was God like, you know, what, Anna, you're not initial on how to cook. So you're going to have to leave a couple of weeks a, a year. So, <laughs> you know, they're going to have to because, I, you know, I, I was doing so much. I did so much for them because I didn't want to repeat or I, I know I wasn't repeating it's kind of illogical but I 
It's something that I felt affected me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, as we kind of come to the end of our time together, I want to kind of fast forward to present day and just talk about your experience today as a counselor. If you could just share with us, like, kind of what what you find works, uh, what modalities, what what kind of, you know, um, therapy techniques, what just what do you go to? What's your go to? What do you like? What would you like to share in terms of you found helpful in your counseling profession? Hmm. Well, I do because I'm trained in EMDR. I do a lot of EMDR and I, I and I'm starting to realize that I am I can co-regulate with my clients when they're going through when they're getting um towards out of the window of tolerance i i kind of like you know we get together and we, you know almost like boring my nervous system and all that i feel like i can do that without um losing mine so that's something that i'm thankful that i'm can do that but i think it's really presence i think i'm learning to just be present with my clients um and that's why I say learn ing. I, I'm gonna focus on the ing, you know, like <laughs> to just be there and hear them and 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 have that sacred space for them to really pour out and um be able to understand what's going on. And I, I love to always ask them about their goals and what they want to and all that because it takes the pressure out from me and and also it, it gives them hope. I think when we talk about goals, one of my favorite questions is like, how will you know, how will you know when our time will be done, that the, our time together is done, that therapy was, I don't know, successful, whatever you want to say. And that, you know, it gives us a goal for us to go to. I like, I'm very goal oriented. Yeah. I don't think you get to be a professional athlete without being goal oriented. Yeah. So just just a just an observation. Yeah. yeah, which is nice, right? How everything worked out, right? Everything, nothing in your life is a waste, right? No, so very true. That mm -hmm. went through. I think uh, he uses it. Hmm. And a kind of just a last follow up question to Robert's question, maybe flipping the coin a little bit from the perspective of you as a client, what have you noticed has been really effective for you from your clinician? She listens. Oh, how she listens. <laughs> Doesn't give me advice. Sometimes she would even say, do you want advice, Anna? I was like, you know, she knows I'm a therapist, right? So, and, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, she, I think she models it to me. Sometimes she comes to me and I'm listening to, to a client myself, like the way she really, really listens. And um, and she doesn't tell me what to do. She asks questions and she um, and she feels, you know, sometimes when I'm feeling, you know, I say hurtful things and she just, I can feel that even though we do through telehealth, she she feels and, and, and it's just, it's just beautiful. I'm very thankful for her, my therapist. Yeah. 
And again, it's an everyday thing. She always says, Anna, I know, I know you have it here in your head, but we need to feel in our gut, right? We need to really know, and how can you then do that? Just that renewing of the mind that we need to do all the time. And she, she gives me the, the um, motivation, you know, like keep doing it. That's all you can do. Keep doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anna, this was an absolute pleasure and a joy to have you on and to hear more of your story. Like I said, I know the first time I was, I, I knew nothing about you. I remember, I remember the, I think it was a, a maybe a committee meeting where it might've been only me and you on the call. And I got an opportunity there and, and I was like, wow, I never, never knew. All right. And so thank you very much. Um, for taking the time and the courage. It's not easy to share our story. And I think you did it very beautifully and you have a beautiful story. And I am really excited to see how God's going to continue to use you to create an amazing legacy for those around you. So uh, on behalf of Jeff and myself, Anna, thank you for just taking some time and just allowing us an opportunity to sit with you and share your story. And I want to thank the audience for joining us and I want to wish everybody a blessed day. Thank you.